Have you enjoyed the worship service so far? Yes. Amen. It's been good, hasn't it? Thank you so much to the music team for what they do. If you have your Bible, you go ahead and turn to John chapter 16, verse 24. It's just going to be our scripture for today. So uh, we had uh, Mother's Day, kind of a, uh, got away from our topic a little bit on Mother's Day. We're going back to that on assurances of the Christian faith. And so these are things which I believe help bring us comfort during difficult times. Um, they, they bring us a sense of trusting in God, I think, when things are unsure. And there are things that I learned when I first became a Christian that really kind of helped get me started on the right foundation, I believe. So the first time I think we talked about uh, assurance of forgiveness, if you remember. And some ones that we have coming up is assurance of victory over temptation, assurance of, gu of guidance by the Holy Spirit, assurance of our salvation. But today we're going to be talking about the assurance of answered prayer, which fits in really nice with our Sunday school class, right? <laughs> I didn't know it was going to, but we talk quite a bit about prayer in our Sunday school class. And basically today is going to be asking the question, can we have assurance that our prayers will be heard and answered? And of course, the answer is yes, they can. We can be assured that the Christians' prayers can be heard, they will be heard, and they will be answered. Now, answered, we have to understand what that means, right? So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. But to me, I think growing up, when I was thinking of prayer, and I was taught a little bit by prayer by my grandmother, I didn't attend church a whole lot, but if I did, it was with her, and I learned a little bit about prayer because she would try to have a little time of quiet before we went to bed in the evenings, and we would, she'd either tell us a story or we'd read a story about Samson or about David and Goliath, something like that in the Old Testament that little boys would like. And, uh, but she would also teach us about prayer and I'm not saying that she did it incorrectly because she didn't, but in a little boy's mind, prayer kind of meant wish for anything that you want and you should be able to get it. That's kind of was my view of prayer. Anyone ever have that kind of a view when you were smaller? And that's really not what prayer is about. And I think it's good for us to understand that because uh, we pray in public sometimes and we say that we believe in prayer in public sometimes and for someone who's not a believer they may think that prayer is just uh, maybe the power of positive thinking at the very best and at the very worst there's just nothing there at all that prayers aren't being heard by anyone and I believe that's wrong according to what the Bible says and I think it's wrong according to my experience I believe that God does hear our prayers I do believe that he answers them but we have to we have to understand biblically what it means for a prayer to be answered. And so God is more than a genie in a lamp, right? And prayer is not like a genie in a lamp. I've used this illustration before, but so many times people think of prayer as, I've got my genie, you know, I'll say the right words, I'll tack on the end in Jesus' names, and that prayer should be answered. And I'm going to hold God to that. And the reason that is wrong is, first of all, the Bible doesn't say prayer is answered that way. But secondly, it makes us the master over God. 
and we are not the master over God. What we should be doing in, in our time of prayer is seeking out God's will and asking him to work in our heart in such a way that we, we agree with his will for our life and then we accept that for our life. And so I just wanted to give you one example, of course, of someone who is a great person of prayer. And I've mentioned George Mueller again, but let me read a little bit about George Mueller and his extraordinary life of prayer. He lived from 1805 to 1898. He's widely considered one of the greatest men of prayer and faith since the days of the New Testament. He lived nearly the entire century, 19th century, two thirds of it in Bristol, England. He, he led four far-reaching influential ministries, but we know him best today for his orphanages. During a time of England when most orphans lived in miserable workhouses or on the streets, like, uh, th like Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist, Mueller took them in, fed them, clothed them, and educated them. Uh, through this orphanage in Bristol, Mueller cared for as many as 2,000 orphans at a time, more than 10,000 in his lifetime. Yet, listen to this, yet he never made the needs of his ministries known to anyone except to God in prayer. He didn't tell anybody about his needs. And you can understand that the needs would have been great. Only through his annual reports did people learn after the fact that his needs had been, uh, what his needs had been during the previous year and how God had provided. Mueller had over 50,000 specific recorded answers to prayer in his journals, 30,000 of which he said were answered the same day or the same hour after he had prayed them. Think of it, that's 500 definite answers to prayer each year, more than one per day, every single day for 60 years. God funneled over a, listen to this, a half a billion dollars in today's dollars through his hands in answers to prayer. And so yes, we believe that God answers prayer because of what the Bible says, but because of the evidence given and testimonies like that of George Mueller. So our scripture for today is a simple one. It's John 16, 24. And I'm gonna ask that you stand in the reading of it. So it'll be a quick one, but we'll go ahead and stand in honor of God's word and then we will get into it. John 16, 24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for prayer, even at the beginning of this sermon on prayer, because we know that it's only available to us in the way we have it through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our intercessor. We pray, pray that you would reveal to us uh, what we need to know about prayer and the assurance that we have that you are listening to our prayers and you're answering them according to your uh, goodwill for our lives. So we pray that you would teach us and we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So if I was to take a survey and and I won't do that, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but if I was to take a, a survey and ask, is it a struggle for you to pray? I would think that probably most of you would raise your hand, that it's difficult to have a consistent time of prayer in your life. 
And there's several different reasons for that, I think. I think a lot of it is because of our act of faith. Maybe we have prayed for something and we didn't get the answer that we thought we should. And so we thought, well, there's no sense doing that. But I would encourage you to continue on praying. Uh, and also, I've, I would think one of the reasons that we do not pray is our pride. It means that we understand that we can't do everything ourselves. And so our self-sufficiency, in a way, is something that keeps us from praying to God. Let's face it, we're Americans. We're wealthy compared to the rest of the world. And we just don't think about praying for the everyday necessities of life sometimes. We don't think about praying for food or water or transportation because most of us have that most of the time. And so why go to the Lord in prayer? Well, prayer is actually more than that. It's a way that we relate to God, right? It's the way that we enjoy our relationship with God. It's a way that we talk to him and the way that he talks back to us. And so I've kind of defined prayer as this intentional conveying of a message to God. It's us speaking to him. And we can do that, of course, out loud. We can do that silently because he knows our thoughts. So we can pray anytime. And that's one of the great things about prayer is that we can pray anytime about anything. There's nothing that we can't take to the Lord in prayer. And yet we find ourselves uh, kind of reticent, I guess, to do it in the way that some people have done it in older times. I, I remember growing up in my Christian faith, you know, I was asked to read several different books and I read about George Mueller. I'd also read a book on prayer by Ian Bounds and I'd, I'd listened uh, to speakers like Dawson Trotman of the Navigator speak about prayer. And these were people who believed in getting up very early in the morning and spending an hour, maybe two hours, maybe up to four hours in prayer. And I don't think we think about that a whole lot anymore. Now, maybe I'm wrong and you are doing that every morning, but I am not doing that the way I was taught to do that in the very beginning. And so, you know, that shows a little bit about my heart and what I really think about prayer. It's, it's somehow deficient. I should be wanting to pray because it's me speaking to God. It's me having a relationship with him. If you only spoke to your spouse, you know, maybe just three minutes a day and spent that amount of time speaking to your spouse, your relationship probably would not be very deep. It probably would not be very good. And so we must spend significant amount of time in God's, in God's presence in prayer with him. And so we should pray at specific times. And Jesus himself, Mark 1.35 said that Jesus went out to a very lonely place early in the morning and prayed. If Jesus needed that time in prayer, then surely we need that time of prayer as well. So we should have specific times, and we do. Uh, we have specific times usually at our meals, right? We pray at our meals, and that's great that we do that, but it's probably really not enough for us to communicate everything that we need to, to God during a day. Then also we are supposed to of course, uh, pray without ceasing, the scripture says, right? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, pray without ceasing. So 
I'm not doing this to make everyone feel bad, but I'm doing it because I want to impress upon you the importance of prayer and the importance that God places upon prayer. So if this is in his word that we are to have specific times to pray with God set aside, and if we're also to pray constantly and without ceasing, then that indicates that God believes that prayer is really, really, really important. And so can we pray without ceasing? Well, I do think obviously we cannot be uh, bent down, have our knees bowed and praying all day long. We have things that we have to do. But we can have an attitude of prayer all day, I believe, to whereby when something occurs that we need God's guidance on, we can go to God and ask him that question without stopping everything that we're doing. And so we are intentionally conveying a message to God. It's at specific times and places, but it's also as we are going through our daily life that we are to pray for him. And it's really about this relationship whereby we pray to God and he reveals things to us in his word. And that's basically how we communicate with God. I don't, I don't hold a lot of credence in feelings that I have. <laughs> As, as far as God speaking to me. I'm not, I'm not discounting the, the work of the Holy Spirit, but I believe primarily that God speaks to us as we speak to him and he reveals his words to us through the word of God. And so that's, that's what, the way I think that it works out best. And so the purpose of God, once again, is relationship. It's about knowing God. It's about experiencing God. We pray for certain things and we see them happen and that increases our faith in God and we experience what he is like through that way. And we also, part of the purpose of our prayers, not just relationship, but ultimately it's really about knowing God's will for our life. Amen? Everybody still out there? It's really, it's about knowing God's will for our life instead of God knowing our will for his life. So sometimes we get it backwards. We always have to remember that he is God and we are not. He tells us what to do. We don't tell him what to do. And the Bible is very open about why sometimes our prayers are not answered. So look at James chapter four, verses one through three. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war with you. So it's talking about quarrels within the church and it comes from our passions. You desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Sounds so much like our world today, outside the church, right? Trying to get things through violence and trying to get things uh, that they covet. But here's the part I really want you to listen to. It says you do not have the reason we lack things in our lives is because you do not ask. First, if we're gonna be people of prayer and if we're gonna bring things to God and, and bring a, uh, an intentional message to God, then we have to at least begin by praying. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. They've not been asking at all. But he says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So in other words, a lot of prayer is not answered the way we want it to because we're asking for things 
that are not good for us. We're asking for things that are not proper for us. And I just wrote down a little statement here that's kind of the negative of that. God loves you too much to fulfill your selfish desires. Amen. 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 He loves you too much to give things that are uh, little piddly things that are not going to help you in eternity. He wants to do what is best for your life. So, it's all about knowing God's will. Now, there are several different aspects of prayer that I kind of want to teach you about, and probably not the first time you've heard this, but you can use the acronym ACTS. Have you heard this about prayer? A-C-T-S. So get ready to write something down. These are four aspects of, of prayer itself um, that are important for us to remember, and they're important for us to remember because you remember the disciples uh, asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And he gave us the Lord's Prayer, which we all know. Well, within that, there are these aspects of prayer. So, starting with A, if you're writing them down, is adoration. This is an important part of our prayer, right? Is adoring or worshiping our, our Savior and our God. So many times we skim right over this to our request, right? <laughs> it's like... It's like uh, you're a teenager and you're going to your dad to ask for the car, but you don't bother even saying hi or anything to him. It's just give me the keys. You know, it's, it's just not respectful, right? It's not respectful. And God is, is due our worship and our adoration. So it is a good idea during our time of prayer to spend a few minutes giving honor and glory to God praising him for the day that we have, praising him for the weather, for the, for the material things that we have in the United States of America, for the food that we have. We talk about shelves that are empty, and I know there are some shelves even in America that are empty, but in most of the world, they don't even have the shelves, right? <laughs> they don't even have the shelves. So we have reason to be thankful and we have reason to spend some time worshiping God Amen. and thank him for Jesus, thank him for the cross, thank him for all the blessings yes. of being a follower of Christ. Yes. So that's the A. The C is confession. You might have been able to guess, guess that. An important part of prayer is confession. We'll talk a little bit later about hindrances to, to prayer and one of those is unconfessed sin. If you have a sin that is unconfessed, maybe you have not repented of that sin, that is going to hinder your prayers. It's not because God has moved away from you, it's because you have moved away from God. It's as though you're a young child and you've disobeyed your father, and your father is more than willing to come and talk to you and to love you and even hug you around the neck, but you're now fearful of him, fearful of some kind of judgment or fearful that he won't understand. And so that's the same way in a Christian's walk. If we have unconfessed sin, we can be reluctant to go to God and to continue our relationship with him. And we know, of course, the Bible says that he's always there with open arms waiting for us. But we need to confess our sin for our own sake. Uh, we need to confess our sin. T is for thanksgiving. He is for thanksgiving. Spend some time in your prayer life thanking God 
for all the things that he has given you. And S finally is a big word, supplication, which just means your request. At the end, bring your request to God. And this, can, this mode of praying can be repeated over and over again, right? <laughs> so you may think of something, well, I want to praise God for that, and you go back and you start over again. But supplication is praying for those things that we want. Is there anything too small that God does not want to hear? No, no. There's nothing too small in your life that you cannot take to him. And there's nothing too big that is so great that he cannot help you in that situation. So we should be constant. We should be praying without ceasing, right? As we interact with people, we might, you know, be questioning God. What about their spiritual life? Is there a way that I can encourage him and he can speak to us that way? But there's nothing too small that you can't take to God. There's nothing too big that you can't take to God. So how can our prayers, our requests, our supplications be answered? Well, there's some things that we can do to help recognize when they are, they are answered, when, when God has been faithful to do that. The first thing I would say is that you need to come to know Christ. In order to have assurance that your prayers will be answered and that uh, they will be heard, you need to know Christ. You need to have that relationship with God. It's very clear. Isaiah 59.2 says, but your iniquities, or in other words, your sins have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now God is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. Uh, he's all places at once. He hears everybody's prayer, prayer. But he's only obligated himself to listen as far as answering to those whose sins have been removed by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Christ that we can now access the throne of grace. So we know this verse very well from our study in Hebrews. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then, speaking of the Christian, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It is the Christian who has access to God the Father. And that's why I thank God every time that we pray that we can pray to God the Father and it's through Jesus Christ that we do that. Does that make sense? So God, God will hear everything, of course. But he has said, I will pay attention to the Christian's prayer. I will consider it and I will answer that. So here are some ways that God answers prayer. First of all, the, yes, <laughs> right? Yes. He says yes to your, your prayer. For George Mueller, he had over 30,000 prayer requests that were answered in the very same day that prayer request was made. So let your mind get around that. It doesn't mean that he asked for 30,000 things in one day. It just means 30,000 of them were answered within a day of that being prayed. Uh, George Mueller was always careful to acknowledge when a prayer was answered so that God could get the credit and the honor and glory for that. We have to remember 
that God often says yes because he wants to give us good things. He is a good father who wants to give us good things. He's not a bad father who would give the son a snake or something like that, but he's a good father. Our verse uh, for this sermon today says, until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. He wants us to be joyful in the things that we receive from him through prayer. And here's the one that I was poorly quoted, Matthew 7, 11. It says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give good gifts for those who ask him? So many times when it matches up with God's will and our good, God does say yes to our prayers. But then sometimes he says maybe. And it's a possibility, right? This is, this is those things that we need to continue to pray for and persevere in because God hasn't given us the answer yet. It's still coming. He's saying, be patient. Continue to pray. Continue to seek out what my will is in this matter. But you need to be patient because now is not the right time. Talking about timing in Sunday school class uh, this morning about this very issue that when we pray sometimes the answer is maybe and we need to be patient until God gives us the answer so sometimes the answer is maybe and it's coming I think one thing that we forget sometimes is we forget we have forgotten what we prayed about and we go on like life just like we do we go on with life and that that prayer is answered down the road and we never recognize it because we've forgotten about it. I've, I've noticed that in my own life. Okay, so possible answer could be no. You pray for something and it's not good for you. How many people do you think have prayed to win the lottery? <laughs> I have. <laughs> In my younger life, in my younger life, I have played the lottery and prayed that I would win the lottery. I've known Christians who have won the lottery. And they, they, they actually knew how to use the money well. I would not use the money well. God knows I would not use the money well. Most people who win the lottery do not use the money well, and they end up bankrupt within just a few years. And so God sometimes knows what is he always knows what is good or bad for us and he says no sometimes that thing is not good for you that is not a good path for you to take you know and i'm saying no to that because i love you too much to give that to you paul the great paul had a prayer request denied if you remember he had a thorn in the flesh he prayed three times he said take this from me and the Lord's answer was, no, it's not good for you. My grace is sufficient for you. This is according to my will or plan. And so we, we must take that into consideration. In fact, I would say most of prayer should be seeking God's will in the matters that we normally just kind of rattle off a prayer, really seeking God's will. And so he says yes many times, he says maybe, he says no, 
I also put down here wait, which is kind of similar to maybe, but the timing just isn't right yet. Sometimes he says for us to wait, but he always will answer in his own time. And so we understand that there's different ways that he answers our prayers. We also must recognize God's faithfulness in answering prayer. Historically, God has answered prayers and prayer really does cause things to happen. Amen? Amen. We have to believe that. You know, there's this, uh, there's always this, I don't know, if you want to call it railroad track or this concept between God's sovereignty and our responsibility or some people would say our free will. Um, but there's always like a railroad track and Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon used this illustration of the railroad track and he used it between sovereignty of God on this side and our responsibility. And they are, they are roads that never cross each other because they are always the same, right? God's sovereign, God is sovereign all the time. We are responsible for our actions. And that's the way it is with prayer. We might ask the question, you know, if God is sovereign, why does it do any good at all to pray anything? What's, you know, that's the question a lot of people have about prayer is, if God is sovereign, if the future is set, then why should I pray at all? And the answer is because God says to pray. And he says that prayer really does make a difference. So we have to live with that tension. We should never give up on the fact that God is sovereign, but we should never also give up on the fact that God says that prayer really makes a difference. So how we always reconcile those is not necessarily clear, but those are both true. I live that way. And so in our statement of faith, it talks, talks a little bit about this. It talks about the sovereignty of God, and it does talk a little bit about it. And uh, basically it says God is sovereign, but prayer is a means by which God works out his sovereignty. Does that make sense? A means, maybe not familiar with that word. But God just doesn't say this is going to happen and give no means by which it, for which it to happen. Uh, God is sovereign. We do the work. <laughs> we work according to his sovereign plan. And so I, I probably have lost some of you, but uh, another instance is that we know that we're to go and share the gospel with everyone. And we know that people will be saved by the preaching of the gospel. God is sovereign over salvation, but he doesn't just cast a magic spell and say, you will be saved. But he uses people to share the gospel, to love them, uh, to care for them, to share the truth of the gospel. And that is how they, God's sovereign plan comes about. Does that make sense a little bit? Same way with prayer. Same way with prayer. Uh, we know, for instance, that Jesus will come back when the gospel is preached to every ethnic tribe that there is. 
then he will come back. He will come back because we will take the gospel to every place. <laughs> so we are the means by which God's sovereign will happens. Okay. Here's, here's maybe an example of that. It's Moses, God's faithfulness to, to answer Moses' prayer. And really, this is what happened. Do I hear music? Oh, it's downstairs. Okay, sorry about that. I thought maybe the CD started off playing. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the radio shows and they start the music and that means that's the end. You better finish it up. <laughs> and we are close. We are close. Uh, but I want you to recognize God's faithfulness and also in this section of Scripture, Moses and his prayer. Because the Lord God had his mind set that he was going to destroy Israel. And this happened because they were on the, uh, they were at Mount Sinai. Moses was up receiving the Ten Commandments. Even as he is receiving the Ten Commandments, the people down at the bottom of the hill had already told Aaron, we want you to create a golden calf for us because we are going to worship that calf we're basically finished with this guy who's taken us out of Egypt and brought us out here where there's no food and water. We want to worship this calf. And God was hot. He was mad. And he said, I'm going to destroy Israel and I'm going to start all over with Moses. Listen how, listen how Moses prays. But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains or to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and all this land I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And after Moses prayed this prayer, the Lord re relented. He said, I will not destroy the nation of Israel. And so Moses did what I call smart praying. He, he prayed according to God's will. He said, you brought this people out here to worship you. And if you kill them now, the Egyptians are going to mock you for being a God who couldn't save his people. So God's reputation was on the line. God's promises to the nation of Israel are on the line. His very character was on, the, was on the line and Moses recognized that and he prayed that way to God. So he prayed according to God's will. He said, you want your name to be uh, exalted among the nations? You can't do it by killing off Israel. You must save them as you promised to save them. And so God is faithful to answer his prayers when we pray according to his will. 
We shouldn't let unrepentant sin hinder our prayers. I talked about this a little bit earlier, but scripture is very clear. It says, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have heard and would have not listened. And so we trust in God and we pray in Jesus' name. Now, is, G, is that Jesus' name, is that just a little tack-on phrase that, we, that is, has magic, you know, magic to it or something? No. To pray in Jesus' name means that we trust in his power. It means that we trust in his purpose. It means that we trust in his plans when we trust in his will. Those four things is what it means to pray in Jesus' means. It means to pray for the sake of the kingdom, not our own selfish prayers. God asks us to pray and to believe in difficult things, and it's our faith, right? Our faith is instrumental in this. We must pray with weight for faith. We should not settle for the ordinary. We should ask for big things, but we must pray according to God's will. And so we must ask. We must ask according to God's will. James 4.3, we have already read it, but it says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. We must be asking for the kingdom of God. We must be asking for the welfare of other people. John 15.7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And this is one of those verses that if you read it really quickly, it sounds like, well, I can ask for whatever I want, and he's, he's, he must give it to me. But listen, it's a conditional. It says, if you abide in me. <laughs> in other words, if you are being obedient to me, if you are in the center of my will, then whatever you ask, I, it will be done for you. 1 John 5, 14, 15, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Once again, this is asking according to God's will. So we need to ask, yes, but we ask with an attitude of humility for the sake of the kingdom. And I know maybe this is disconcerting to some people who think, well, I can just pray for whatever I want and I should be able to get it. But don't we really want God's will first? <laughs> Isn't that where every Christian's heart is, is that we be in the center of God's will? We know that's going to be best for us in the long run. And so pray, yes, we must pray. We should pray. We should pray about everything. But we pray with seeking hearts for God's will. George Mueller, getting back to him, said that he really struggled in prayer in the very beginning for the first 10 years of his life. He thought, I have to get up the very first thing in the morning and immediately start with prayer. And he found out that he would pray for maybe an hour before he really felt like he was communicating with God. And his solution to that problem was to read the word of God first and let God speak to him through that word. 
And he came up with this technique of praying the scriptures. And I recommend that to you as well. Open your Bible in the morning, read a few verses or a few paragraphs, and then pray through the scriptures. Ask God to reveal to you the meaning of that scripture. Ask God to reveal to you what you need to do because of these scriptures. And pray to God that he would empower you to do that in your life. Wouldn't it be amazing if all of our prayers here were answered like George Mueller? Was he a special person some way? Or did he have a special prayer life? He had a special prayer life. He wanted God's will for his life. He was desperately dependent upon God to provide everything for these orphanages. Sometimes I don't think we're so desperate. We want to do things in our own strength and with our own finances and we don't depend upon God. Therefore, we're not desperate for God. Therefore, we're not desperate to pray the way that George Mueller prayed. I still have hopes for great revival in this nation and especially in this community, don't you? Amen. Every revival that's been recorded has always started out with people diligently praying. Can we be a people of prayer? Can I ask that of you? <laughs> Can we work to being a people of prayer? I, I think so too. I think that should be our request today as we come and sing our last song uh, and we have this time of prayer. Let's give ourselves over to God to be people of prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this time that we had. I thank you for the great God that you are, that you work through your word, and then we pray and ask questions about your will, discerning your will, so that we might join in with that. Not telling you what to do, but you informing us of what your will for our life is, and joining in with great joy at being in the center of your will. And we pray that you would help us to do that. Uh, many times we have the wrong impression of prayer and it becomes drudgery, but you have said that it should be a great joy. And if we think of it as enjoying our relationship with you, then I think it will become a great joy. But would you, God, please speak to us? Maybe in ways you haven't for a long time. Help us to have a new, fresh start when it comes to prayer, understanding that you are listening to every word we're saying, and you are, through the word, molding our heart to be in the image of Christ. Help us to enjoy this relationship and help it be through prayer and the study of your word. And we ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. Thank you.